Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The final weeks of pregnancy are always an anxious time. Whether you're eight or nine months pregnant, you basically know that at any time, you might be required to do the hardest, most important thing you will ever do, with so little notice and so much awareness of all the things that could go wrong. Now imagine preparing to do that in a pandemic. Hospitals have cracked down on who can be present for a birth. In many cases, that means just one person can join the laboring mother. And hospitals are also warning in some cases that if a mother is diagnosed with COVID-19, she can't have access to her baby afterwards for fear of infecting the baby. It's a really serious situation. Now, Lozia Settlemeyer is now nine months pregnant, and she says that the coronavirus has added even more anxiety anxiety to what was already a high stress time. So it's like you plan, plan, plan. And I was planning and like my parents were going to come, everyone was going to come to the hospital. And then it got to the point where they were saying no one's allowed. But then I talked to my doctor. She's like, no, you get one person. So obviously you pick your husband, but it, it was, it's so nerve wracking, Laura, because you like, you don't know what is going to happen when you get there and like, I'm worried that seeing like the nurses all covered and in masks and just, you know, not being as like close is going to like give me anxiety because like you rely on the nurses to like help you get through so much. And then just to know that like there's this virus going around and everyone is literally terrified of everyone else. It doesn't make it easy, you know? And that's Lozia Settlemeyer. She's now nine months pregnant. Now, for some expecting women, a doula is the ultimate support person. But limits on who can be present during labor and delivery mean that in some cases, doulas can't even be present at birth. And so joining me to talk about this really difficult issue and, and all these important things that go along with childbirth today is Sarah Baker. She's a certified birth educator with Purple Lotus Doula. Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. So first, give a definition for those who haven't given birth and, and don't know what I'm even talking about when I say the word doula. What is a doula and how is that different from, say, an OBGYN? Right, that's a good question. We get commonly asked that question. And yeah, you're right. It's not really a common household term just yet. So the kind of textbook definition of a doula is a professional who provides physical support and emotional support and informational support that starts during pregnancy and continues uh, during the labor and birth with continuous labor and birth support. And then it also extends a little bit into the postpartum period as well. So that's kind of the textbook definition. Um, but what that looks like can be very different from one person to the next. I think a really good um, aspect of pointing out what's kind of included in that definition is that doulas are kind of on the front lines. Um, we are the first line of defense, oftentimes um, connected to people very intimately uh, throughout their pregnancy. Uh, we're the people who are connecting them to resources, sometimes catching things that they might not be aware of that would warrant contacting uh, their healthcare provider. Um, and we have an impact on things like reducing the rate of C-sections, reducing requests for pain medications such as epidurals, um, improving breastfeeding rates, uh, short-term and long-term. So that's kind of the snapshot of what a doula is. Um, and then your second question of what's the difference between uh, a doula and an OB? So the biggest difference is that doulas are not healthcare providers. So mm -hmm. an OB is a physician. They are a healthcare provider. They are responsible for the health of their patient. And in this case, it includes two patients, which is the pregnant person and their 
your baby as well. So we are a non-medical professional. So we are not doing the actual medical uh, care, uh, but we are providing support in a variety of ways in a non-medical way. And a lot of that includes advocacy and helping people to advocate uh, and teaching them how to advocate for themselves. It felt like when I had a doula that it was almost like this personal trainer, not where they were there to help you get fit, but they're there like one-on-one, sort of like that voice in your ear telling you, A, you can get through this, but then B, sort of giving you some really practical advice on how to do it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Again, that's a huge part of what we do. And um, I think that's oftentimes when people think of a doula, they most commonly think of what we do during labor, which is obviously a big part of it. And But a lot of that starts before labor with education and preparation and support, uh, because we want to help those people to be prepared for whatever their goal is, so that we can most effectively actually support them um, during their labor and birth, uh, during their labor and birth. But continuous labor support, we know, makes a significant difference for people um, in so many ways, even just improving their impression of their birth. We know mm-hmm. that a doula's presence during labor and birth increases the likelihood that that person is going to have a positive impression of their overall labor and birth experience. Hmm. So right now, everything, and especially everything involving the medical system, is being impacted by the coronavirus in such a big way. What would you say is the biggest way that your work as a doula has been impacted by this pandemic? I think the biggest impact for doulas, and I say this not just for myself, but also a little bit on behalf of the the other doulas who are in the St. Louis area, um, the biggest issue has been our ability to actually go in and support the clients who have hired us, sometimes Mm -hmm. people who have hired us months ago that we've been building um, a relationship with. And um, the the thought for those people who have developed this relationship with their doula for many months, usually these are people who very intentionally planned on hiring a doula for very specific reasons, sometimes even before they got pregnant and now being at the end of their pregnancy and thinking about the possibility of not having their doulas with them. So I think that's probably the biggest issue for area doulas is simply not being able to be there in person um, as we are limited at this point to only one local hospital that will uh, currently allow doulas in per their uh, policies. And that one local hospital that's that's allowing the doulas to come in, that's that's Mercy, is that correct? That is correct as of, as of right now, yes. And so everybody else, they're telling people you get one support person and by that they mean you have to choose your partner or anybody else. Even the doula counts as, as almost being in competition with the partner. That is correct. And it wasn't it wasn't that way up until a few weeks ago. So at mm-hmm. first, when things really started to change in terms of the pandemic and how it was affecting things like hospital policies, um, for a couple of weeks, most of the local hospitals, including the BJC health systems, um, had a policy where they were allowing for two people to be with somebody on labor and delivery. So, of course, that would include a doula. And, you know, hospitals like SSM would, would say one visitor, um, but they were not going to include the doula in that visitor count. So somebody could still have, you know, their primary support person, which is, you know, most commonly their partner or spouse, Mm -hmm. and then their doula could also come. They would not be included in that visitor count. However, that all quickly changed um, in spite of our best efforts to communicate with hospitals and to uh, lay out our request for them to consider the impact of what this would mean to restrict doula's access. And unfortunately, um, at this point, uh, Mercy is the only hospital that is uh, currently allowing doulas in addition 
connection to the person's primary support person. Hmm. Now, we talked to a client of yours named Alex Youssef. She said she didn't have the greatest delivery experience with her first child. And so when it came to her second pregnancy, she switched to Mercy Mercy Birthing Center. They had her take a birthing class, and that class was with you, Sarah Baker. And so now Alex has decided a doula is exactly what she needs at this time. Here's how she explained it. Her class has just like blown both of us away, especially my husband too, just to have the knowledge and understanding of like what's going on in my body while he's just hanging out over here. So with that in mind, four weeks in, we decided we were like, this is awesome. We want the best support that we can. We want to keep this birth a positive thing in the midst of, you know, a global pandemic and so the best way that we knew how to do that was to bring someone like Sarah on our team with us. And it's almost like the universe was kind of like, you're, you're getting this. <laughs> yep. yep. You're not going to have your family there with you. So we're going to give you some awesome support that is going to advocate to support you. And that's Alex Youssef uh, talking to our producer, Lara Hamden. Now, Alex says um, that if she has to choose between having a doula and having her husband there, she's just going to go give birth elsewhere. Uh, Sarah Baker, what would be an option for a woman who says, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do this in my hospital because of the limitations they're putting on? Right. So unfortunately, these limitations with hospital policies are putting people in a very difficult position, kind of pushing people into a corner. And, you know, people who were prepared for a very specific type of birth and who felt very strongly about having their doula there with them, in addition to their partner, are unfortunately sometimes having to make some very uh, hard decisions. Um, And so one option that we have talked to many people about is uh, to consider if they are a low-risk, healthy pregnancy um, with you know no history of previous birth complications or things like that, um, to consider exploring the possibility of giving birth outside of a hospital, which would mean mm-hmm. either giving birth at home uh, with a midwife or giving birth in the freestanding birth center, which is in O'Fallon, Missouri. Um, and so that's something that we know a lot of people have been uh, looking into. Um, some people who might have previously considered that during their pregnancy, but just didn't necessarily pursue it. And then there's other people who have never considered this as a possibility, have never considered what it might look like for them to give birth outside of a hospital setting. Um, but we know that for people who are low risk, it is just as safe in terms of the, the, the risk factors for both the mother and the baby. It is really about the same uh, when we look at hospital birth compared to low risk people giving birth um, outside of a hospital. So yeah, unfortunately, if the, you know when these policies are happening, people are having to make uh, some very difficult decisions. Hmm. And I know midwives, they're almost a step up from a doula. They can actually do these deliveries outside of a hospital. But I also know the medical establishment has really pushed back on that in the past. Our clients who are considering some of these home birthing type options or, or going to a birthing center with a midwife, are they feeling that pushback from their providers? You know, it's hard for me. It's hard to say, you know, specifically what, what healthcare providers are saying, you know, what physicians are saying to people who are considering this. Because, you know, I don't honestly know. I think the best thing I can do is to think back on how how I how I know physicians have responded in the past. And so what we typically find is that physicians who have already been supportive of midwives and midwifery care and understand that midwives are experts at low-risk pregnancies and low-risk births, um, they are experts at the normal physiological birth process 
process. Um, and those are the physicians who in the past have already been supportive of midwives and really have collaborated. They don't see it as a competition, mm-hmm. but a collaboration for people to have options and to have the best um, the best care possible, whether that's with a physician or a midwife. So my, my best guess would be that if a physician wasn't already supportive of that prior to the pandemic, they're more than likely probably not referring people to go to um, to go to a midwife to deliver at an out-of-hospital birth location during the pandemic. Hmm. It seems like, though, if somebody does fit the criteria of someone who would do well at one of these alternate locations, that might present um, an option that has um, less options of, of germs and some of these problems that, that come with major healthcare centers, particularly in a pandemic. Right. So we know that um, some hospitals will float staff, not all hospitals, but we know that that is a practice at some local hospitals where staff, including st- uh, some hospitals with staff from labor and delivery or postpartum or even the NICU might float to other floors because of staff uh, shortages right now and making sure that um, in areas where there's COVID-19 patients that they have enough staffing to support those patients. Um, you know, And then sometimes those hospitals that do that then are floating those staff back to labor and delivery where we have a broad population of healthy people who are entering the hospital. So if pregnancy has gone smoothly, if the labor and birth process goes normally, which it does in many, many cases, in the vast majority of cases, um, this is not a disease state. It's a normal, healthy function of the body. These are healthy people. And now they are entering a hospital um, during a pandemic, and we have the risk of cross-contamination. I and mean, just in general, even if staff aren't floating, um, entering a hospital in general, there is always the risk of cross-contamination. But now mm-hmm. it's something that for a lot of people is a, is a much larger concern um, than it has been in the past. And so, you know, moving those low-risk people to a home birth or to a birth center, you know, if they have a, a low-risk healthy history, that's something that can help to reduce the strain that is on hospitals right now so that the people who do actually need to be in a hospital, those that are high-risk and do need um, more medical attention or more more interventions for them or their baby, but they are the ones who can then be in the hospital and we're moving healthy, low-risk people outside of the hospital. We're talking to Sarah Baker of Purple Lotus Doula. And if you're in this situation, we're, we're interested to hear from you. If you're an expectant mother, how have your plans been changed by the coronavirus? You can call us at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7. KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at choosewood.com. And now back to our conversation. We're discussing how childbirth has been affected by this pandemic. And my guest today is Sarah Baker. She's a certified birth educator with Purple Lotus Doula. Now, Sarah, the CDC is recommending that a mother diagnosed with the coronavirus be separated from her newborn, apparently for up to 14 days. You have some concerns about that recommendation, to put it mildly. Uh, why? Why? 
Yeah. So first of all, I want to uh, want to also point out that that recommendation is not in alignment with what the World Health Organization has said. In fact, it's very different than what the World Health Organization has said. Hmm. And so they're saying that not only even if somebody is symptomatic and is currently being tested and we don't know their status um, uh, as they're being waiting for those test results, uh, that even if they do test positive, they are still recommending that uh, newborns be uh, be able to have access to skin to skin uh, with some other access to uh, breastfeeding, um, because we know those things are significant in terms of what is going on with a newborn the first couple of days and weeks of life. Um, and so this is this is a major, major issue. And so even when we have, in general, when we have a sick baby that is in the NICU, for example, in most cases, unless that baby is so sick that they could not even safely be held, we know that things like skin-to-skin contact is truly considered a life-saving measure. It's not just mm-hmm. nice icing on the cake. It's not just about warm fuzzies holding your baby. This is truly a basic biological need for a newborn to have skin-to-skin contact. Um, And so it's being estimated by a lot of uh, organizations that specialize in understanding things like um, the needs of of newborns and outcomes for their health short-term and long-term. It's being estimated that by doing this, by by restricting and isolating babies uh, newly born from their, primarily their mother, um, in those first couple days and weeks after birth, that we are doing, uh, that we are possibly doing far more harm to them um, Mm -hmm. than by just keeping them with uh, their mother and potentially them being risk of exposure. Uh, So that is a significant concern, yes. It it just feels so devastating, too, for somebody Mm -hmm. who's who's just given birth. All you want to do is hold that baby. Is is this something in your experience that local hospitals are enforcing? So we know that local hospitals are, you know, are following those recommendations. Mm-hmm. Um, to my knowledge, I don't think that there have been any of the of the people who have tested positive. To, I don't, I can't say for sure, but I don't believe any of those have been people who are pregnant. However, it was brought to our attention a couple of weeks ago of a case of somebody who just gave birth at a local hospital who was symptomatic and was being tested and was told that she needed to be separated from her baby um, immediately after birth and was not with her baby for those first 24 hours until her test. Um, came back negative. Hmm. So if this happened, God forbid, if this happened to one of your clients here in St. Louis, um, if they tested positive for the coronavirus, what role would you play in trying to to fight this? Because it sounds like you definitely don't agree this is a good policy. Right. I think the biggest issue is that it's important for people to understand their rights um, and their rights as a patient in any type of medical setting. And one of our biggest concerns, and again, I, I do speak a little bit on behalf of the other doulas and birth professionals in this area as I'm saying these things. Mm-hmm. One of our biggest concerns with this simply is that people, if, if this is coming up, and we know in the case of uh, the person who was separated, um, who was just being tested, there was concerns about the process of informed consent and whether or not the process of informed consent was truly followed in that situation. Um, And this is something that we unfortunately see commonly, the issue of people simply not even knowing that they have the right to say no to something. Um, And so if something is being presented to them, if if a recommendation from a healthcare provider is being presented to a patient as if they have no other options, then that gets into a very gray area of the process of informed consent and of Mm. potentially violating patient rights. So I think the biggest issue is that we simply want people to know that they have the right to 
decline that. And the concern is that, is that being presented to patients if they are being recommended to be separated from their newborns immediately after birth? Hmm. That's interesting. And I think that you raised some really good questions there. It'll, it'll be interesting to hear as this shakes out, if we do have, say, a local positive test, whether that's something where, where people are truly given that informed consent. Now, in the meantime, all these social distancing guidelines, I imagine they are making your, your um, the work that you do a lot more complicated. Um, you know, doulas often show up to help with breastfeeding problems, things like that. Is that yeah. something you're able to do remotely? So, yeah, you know, a lot of doulas have switched um, mostly for the for the most part of things prenatally and postpartum at this current time. For the most part, they are doing that uh, virtually through, um, you know, video chat or something like uh, Zoom. And even with breastfeeding, there are some things that um, doulas and other healthcare professionals, such as lactation professionals, that they absolutely can do virtually. They can assess a lot even through a video or even through a phone conversation. Um, but the reality is it's, it's hard. I mean, this is just such intimate work, and it's really important, especially prenatal that um, that doulas and also midwives who are medical professionals that they build um, trusty healthing trusting healthy relationships with their clients before the birth mm-hmm. because having that trusting secure relationship before the birth really Im- also improves outcomes and um, and helps for them to feel trust to feel safe and secure uh, with their doula uh, during their labor and birth so yeah that that is happening as most people are doing virtual things right now in terms of um, you know excluding the actual birth itself but it's not the same. I mean, let's just be honest, it's not the same. So you're still pushing to be there for the actual um, delivery. That's something you you want to be there if your clients want you there. But are you at all worried yeah. about the risk to yourself going into that setting? Yeah, you know, and I think I can also with this speak to what the other doulas that have been involved in this work of advocacy um, speak to some of the things that I've heard them say as well. So, um, you know, speaking just for myself, and right now I take a very limited client load um, as a doula. I spend more of my time working on education. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's been something that I am very committed to. If I myself am healthy and my, my client is healthy, that this is such important work and has such a profound impact on people that I am willing to, to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there's, you know, from what I've heard, the other doulas who have also been involved in this, they're also saying similar things. Some are making the choice not to take clients right now for, for concerns if they are somebody who has risk factors or they have a close family member who has risk factors, and they're making that decision. We, we support that. We support whatever uh, a doula decides to do. But there are a lot of doulas who have had existing clients that hired them before the pandemic even started who are committed to attending their birth if they are allowed to be in the hospital. Hmm. Well, now, in addition to talking to the two expectant mothers we heard from earlier, our producer, Lara Hamden, talked to someone who recently gave birth in the middle of this pandemic. Um, Her name is Michaela Duncan, and she welcomed her daughter, Maria, on April 9th. Michaela told Lara that the pregnancy felt like it took forever until the last month, and then things just flew by as uncertainty arose, and things were changing so quickly with the coronavirus. But Michaela said she had a happy and stress-free experience. I did. I, I really did feel like I got all of the support that I needed. And I think, I mean, Mercy um, in St. Louis has does such a good job in their birthing center. I mean, it's like an entire tower all onto its own. So really it what I, I didn't like feel like we were exposed to like any other patients. Um, and they had, you know, very, like when we walked in, they took our temperature, they asked us questions. And so they're like, obviously following all of these new procedures and protocols that they have in place. But once we got into like the birthing center, it almost was like we were in our own bubble. I didn't think about Corona when I was in there. I didn't, nobody talked about it. Like 
after we were asked our questions and we were screened, it was kind of like we were in our own bubble and they did a really, really good job of trying to make it as normalized as possible. And that's Michaela Duncan. She welcomed uh, baby Maria last week. And Michaela says she was terrified about those policies where if she were diagnosed with COVID-19, she'd be separated from her baby. I had nightmares about that, honestly, like the that if I would get it and then they would take her away from me for 14 days. Like, oh, man, I was so cautious. I was washing my hands after after everything I touched and had hand sanitizer because, I mean, that is the ultimate fear is either not being able to be with her during that, you know, 14 days, that crucial time, or God forbid, you know, something happening and, and she getting it. Whew, my brain almost can't even go there because it's, it is so, so scary and so sad. And the good news is that Michaela and her baby were spared that nightmare. And today she looks at Maria's birth with both gratitude and with joy. It's almost like, you know, with all of this heartbreak and and grieving going on around the illness, like giving birth to new life is, you know, the ultimate hope. And um, I know all of the physicians and nurses and doulas and midwives are like taking that so seriously and are so great at what they do. And that's Michaela Duncan, whose daughter Maria was born last week in the hospital in the hospital at Mercy, and everything just went great. And so, Sarah Baker, last question for you: um, do, You know, you get to be present at these moments, at least if people are doing it in the right hospital or birthing center. Does seeing that life go on even in the middle of all this, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I mean, you know, that the the feelings that I get when I'm with somebody um, during their labor and birth, that doesn't really ever get old. I mean, that is just as fresh and um, uh, just such an amazing experience every single time I get to be with somebody um, during that process. And it's, it's not even just about the moment of the birth, but, you know, I get to be with people, uh, be with these people during these incredibly transformative moments. And I get to see my clients doing amazing things. I get to see people going through this very intense, um, sometimes very challenging process and finding themselves along the way and finding new strengths and finding out that they were far more powerful than they knew. I think that to me is some of the most uh, amazing part of my work is getting to see that happen and getting to see um, people come away and realize, wow, I am stronger than I ever thought I was. And it completely changes for some people. It can change the course of how they perceive themselves for the rest of their life. Um, That never gets old. Seeing people with their babies for the first uh, time in their lives and meeting their babies um, never gets old. And so absolutely, this is just a a moment of um, just getting to experience normal life and the beauty of birth amidst everything going on and the sadness and the fear and all of the things going on with the pandemic, um, having to have, getting to have these moments is, is truly something that can help keep, keep people going during the pandemic. And mm, so good to know that those good moments are still there, even in the middle of, of all this anxiety. So uh, Sarah Baker of Purple Lotus Doula, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.
Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.